Rap and J Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. That's why I Good morning and welcome in to the Captain J. Hood Morning Show here on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you. Glad to have you in here on the ride into work on this Friday, not just a Friday, a football Friday. And good morning, Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash ESPN 1000 Chicago, brought to you by Connie's P2. It's where you can watch the show and every show. Now time for Shot or No Shot right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. And it's brought to you by Sterling Productions. And we say good morning to Shay. It's news to me. I didn't know I owned a production company. You do. Better be getting royalties. Let's go. Rock and roll. All right, boys. The Bears hired Kevin Warren to be president and CEO moving forward. It has been reported that Warren's impact on building U.S. Bank Stadium during his time with the Vikings was, quote, appealing to the Bears during the hiring process. So my question for you, shot or no shot, if the final nail wasn't already in Soldier Field's coffin, it is now. That's a shot. It was already there. This is so far down the road, a done deal. They haven't closed on the purchase, but it's under contract. It's like, oh, the hoods are moving. I heard they just got a house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we haven't gone to the closing yet, but yes, we've got the earnest money in and we're good to go. Yeah, it's done. Yeah, that that is a shot. And and so I'm, I'm very happy because that's part of the new look Chicago Bears also. They realized Soldier Field, it just, it just was not where the Bears should be playing. I mean, if it's a, a charter franchise, it deserves the best. And this is why you have the best at this point in time as president. You're, you have a young GM and a young head coach, a young quarterback. So along with the new, it comes a new stadium. And I know that we saw some things on the news and saw online what it could look like. And I just can't wait to be, keep my coat in the car, just be able to just walk around the mall of where the of the Bear Stadium and be able to go to some shops and restaurants. Like, oh, there's a game there, too. I think I'll go to my seats now. 12 o'clock? Let's sit down in our seats. I've, it should be fun. I've said that to you, that you're going to have your wife in the car, and she's going to have her big coat on. It's cold. Hun, we're parking indoors. Leave the coat. We're going to walk in 72 degrees. Oh, I want to get something to eat there, but can we run in there? I want to get a shirt for Wiley, my cousin, or Maceo. Sure. Right. Sure. Absolutely. It's going to be such a different way to experience it. It's a, and it's, an, it's a new generation of Bears fo- uh, football, too. Those that still believe in bear weather and the cold, guess what? Teams from the West and the South were kicking the Bears' ass in that same cold weather that you're used Correct. to for years and years. What di- how about something different? <laughs> something new for a change. Maybe they'll put a big screen up at Soldier Field and people like Shea who want it outdoors, they can have vendors and they can let them sit outside and watch while you and peacock or indoors you'll get your chicago uh, out, outdoor football don't worry when the afc comes in here when it's the chicago amazons or whoever's going to buy it uh don't worry you can still go to soldier field and have your same generational feel of being able to tailgate and, and watch football in that spaceship what the glass dome they're putting over it <laughs> you can, it's like somehow they'll be rickety also it'll still be cold very similar to sofi stadium by the way correct something we didn't mention by the How way about the, raining inside there yeah the, the national championship game there was rain in there like wait a minute is that a dome kind of dome it has no sides it's ridiculous it's an open air roof and what happened was the wind was so fast it blew the rain inside to the roof and then it was dripping off of the roof onto people Yes, and those people, brutal. And those people apparently on that side of the field, TCU fans. 
Brutal. So what a great experience. You're getting your ass kicked, and it's raining on you in a dome stadium. That isn't even an ass kicking. <laughs> That's a bloodletting. Shay. Uh, with the draft still some three months away, that hasn't stopped the rumor mill from starting. Reporting from Indianapolis suggests the Colts are done looking for veteran help at quarterback after the failures of Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. So shot or no shot, the Colts are the best trade partner for the number one pick. That's a shot because you're not going back too far. Mm-hmm. I'm getting, I would think, a fairly substantial package to move. Go from one to four. Am I getting a DeForest Buckner or a Quentin Nelson and a bunch of draft capital? I'm interested. And if not, they like Will Levis. I'll keep reading. That's what I hear. He's the guy that is rocketing up the draft boards. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I just, look, I'm no dream killer. All I know is I watch a ton of college football, Mm -hmm. and I was just not knocked out by the totality of the quarterbacks that could be available in the first round. Doesn't mean that they won't be anything. I won't say that. I'm just saying that I just, when I think of Will Levis at Kentucky, I think he's a guy, based on what I saw in college, a guy. But can he develop into something? Sure, absolutely. Look, again, I said the other day, I went back and looked. Patrick Mahomes was the 42nd ranked player in that draft. 42nd. He was a wild Bronco. Correct. and, And you know what? I shouldn't even put it on him as much as it's just how wild that double guns offense was. He was just all over the place. It looked like Favre when he first came into the league. Correct. All over the place. Just no mechanics, footwork, just out of control. But it's amazing what happens when there's coaching and teaching. And talent around him. Mm-hmm. Correct. Shay. That's, I mean, just that's the, everybody thinks about like, well, if maybe we just outsmart the room and pick the kid with the strongest arm who had no help and then he turns into Josh Allen. Josh Allen might just be one of one. He might have just been the one guy that had no help and had a cannon and had the miracle QB whisperer coach in Dable who was present. Maybe you just take the swing on that kid and you keep screwing up like everybody did before. <laughs> Josh Allen was the gem, and you can't find it again. And just another guy at Wyoming. The scouting but, report, on but, he was Wyoming four years or three? Did, I don't know if he came out early. I think three. Scouting report on Will Levis. Three seasons, but one of have... the more complicated players in the 2023 draft class. Levis is the prototype in terms of physical tools, size, mobility, and arm strength. He's durable with a high pain tolerance and has the intelligence to handle an NFL playbook. Okay. We're going to find out. 6'3", 232, big arm. We're going to see. Shea. All right, the NFL playoffs start this weekend with the wild card round. Four of the 12 teams in that round failed to win 10 games. The Dolphins, Giants, Bucks, and Jags all won nine. Bucks, of course, only won eight, but they won that garbage division. Shot or no shot, the Bears can look like the Jags or the Giants next year. That's a shot. Yes, they can. Will they? I don't know. Since he asked the question that way, since he said can, that opens up the door. Like, yeah, yeah, they could. Bear, you, and the question he put it, how can it be the Jags and Giants? Or, or the Giants, yeah. Sure. Yeah, Shot. yeah sure. They, yeah. Could they? Yeah. Will they is a different question. Right? Yeah, yeah I'm going to go. It's a different I, question. I could co-sign with Hoodie. Yes, they can. I believe they're going to be like a 5-6 win football team next year. This is not a one-year turnaround. It's not. 
would you say that the Jags and Giants turned it around? They got better. For sure. And because things broke their way in certain games, they made the playoffs. For sure. I don't see a scenario where the Bears make the playoffs. I do not. I didn't see a scenario where the Giants or Jags would make the playoffs this year. <laughs> uh, the, ja- the Jags, I actually did. They got the clown show coach out of there. It was a toxic environment. They spent money in free agency. They had more pieces on their roster than the Bears currently do. Thank you, Charlie, for that salient advice. Yes. Well, Charlie Charlie saw it. He's prescient. He saw it first. Yes, he was. (laughs) 100%. Charlie saw it. Charlie saw it. He thought that the Jaguars would be good. And guess what? Many of our Captain Jared listeners cashed in. Did he not? They did. They cashed in. No question about it. Thank you, Charlie. Shay. All right, uh, everybody wanted to talk about the college football playoff and how many blowouts happen in that event. Obviously, this year the semifinals were great, but we saw the biggest blowout in bowl game history in the national title game. Well, wild card weekend's not all that different. In the in last season, the first season with sep- with the seven seeds, can't speak. Four of the six wild card round games were decided by at least two scores. Three of those were decided by three scores, including the one thirty point sound the alarms destruction of the New England Patriots. Shot or no shot, wild card weekend is as overrated as the college football playoff. Well, neither is overrated to me, pal. I mean, especially on the college side. Well, especially when you're a Georgia fan. Yeah, well, a- absolutely. That's just a joyride to a championship against a team that shouldn't even have been there. Um, I don't think it's overrated. I'd say no shot. I like all football. I didn't have my heart beating on the console like you did last Monday mm-hmm. when they scored the first touchdown. It was 10 nothing, and then Max Duggan dove in the end zone, and I'm like, my guy's probably like, oh, God, really? Here we go. Mm-hmm. I do not think it's overrated, and I'm excited to watch football with my son all weekend long. It's a, it's a no shot for me, and, and here's the reason why, Shay, is because it wasn't me pining for more football. It's you NFL fans that was pining for more football. You wanted more. You wanted an extra wild card. You wanted an extra week because it gives you an opportunity to either enjoy football, fantasy, gambling. This is what you wanted, and so when you get matchups that seem inferior, uh, you know that's not on me. This is what the fans want. TV ratings want it. Every the gamblers want it. So that that's fine. It's not overrated. It's just what it is. And for the college football playoff, it's it's uh, it's up to that committee. Uh, that committee. Here's the thing which I find interesting about this is that they want to have more uh, teams in the, play, in the college football playoff. You sure that's what you want? More Cinderella's and more middling teams in the college football playoff? Ultimately, it's going to come down to the best. It's the Georgias, it's the Alabamas, the Ohio States. That's what it comes down to. So you can have as many teams you want in the college football playoff. The best is always going to rise to the top. I don't disagree with you. I do believe that you need to expand it because an Alabama, I think, would have been in the championship. Somebody else, TCU, I don't think would have advanced through a 12-team field. I do not. However, if I'm the Big Ten, I'm embarrassed by a Big 12 team winning that way. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be like, so the mighty Big Ten, you can't beat that Big 12 team? A nothing conference, pretty much, nowadays? Okay. Now, if you told me TCU went through three Big Ten teams, we went from 12 to 6, however they set the buys up, and all of a sudden they're still standing and they beat Ohio State, they beat Michigan. Really? Yeah, now. They got one win. That's it. So there you have it. Actually, they got uh, 12 of them. Ah! 
13 of them. Right. Lost to a team Alabama destroyed. Shouldn't have they, even been there. They got 13 wins. Well, Alabama should have taken. I digress. We've talked about this enough. I just am making the point to you, like, for this me, weekend's not overrated. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch all the football this weekend, but it's billed as super wild card weekend. And what we end up seeing is in the NFL, cream rises, the garbage here. Uh, we have a nine and a half point spread in two of these games, a 13 and a half point spread in one of them. We're yeah, not nope. going to watch good football. But she'll be, but she'll but be we'll watching. Watch. Absolutely. Because it's football. Correct. And I could be able to play from quarter to quarter if I want to. And Sunday night, it's not going to be the Bears at the Packers in week two where mm. win or lose, blowout or not, there's games next week. Ye- Sunday night is a win or go home. It'll be cool. One sidebar. Hey, you ready for this? Because we're going to get ready for our picks. So, Cam McCormick. Know the name? Cam McCormick. Yes. Charlie's smiling because he knows who that is. I do not. Cam McCormick's career at Oregon is over as a tight end after seven seasons. The tight end is done playing college football. He, he had an injury play career as a duck and it has made him eligible for two more seasons. So he announced Tuesday that he's going to the transfer portal. You know who's going to look at him? Miami. So here's the point. He, his career is over at Oregon after seven seasons in college. And he has two more that he can be able to be part of because he's going in the portal. And Miami's taking a look. Wait, so he could play nine years. And I know there was the COVID thing and you got an extra year because of COVID. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Charlie, is this not the old man on campus? Yeah, this guy started college before I did, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think that's true. That's incredible. I think that's true, actually. Think about that. So you're going to be the old man with the, the your backwards hat with the skateboard going into to Miami. Nine years in college? That's beyond the Evan Eschmeyer plan. You got to live off campus and stuff, right? Like, you can't, you got to, like, have a job or something. You Evan. can't be going to class. You can't be, I mean, what, what is he, 30? You can't be, like, sitting down for lecture and stuff. You got to do your own thing. Yeah, so the question. Evan Eschmeyer. So, but, but here's the question, Cap. Shouldn't there be a cap on the age? To be eligible and still be in college, you're a man taking on young men. Well, what about someone, though, that goes off? We've seen this. Goes to the military. The missions? Or goes on a Mormon mission, and they're still playing. They want to play. No, I don't think there should be an age cap. He came to Eugene at 17 years old. He's going to be 26 when he's done. (laughs) That's why one of the great betting nuggets is when you find, like, BYU with like three veteran offensive linemen who are 24, 25 because they've been on a Mormon mission. Mm-hmm. They have less wear and tear on their body, and they are much more mature. You find an offensive, a defensive line they're going up against that is all 18, 19-year-old young players. They crush them. We talked about the wild card weekend. We have our picks for it coming up next on Cap and J-Hood. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Cap and Jay Hood are back on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Nick Foles sucks. He sucks. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I love the Green Bay Packers. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I want winners. He starts to come and then he pulls out. This is a really... Thickly built guy. I mean, what's the answer you're looking for on these things here? Huh? It's time to go around the 
National Football League for our wild card weekend on Cap'n Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I'd like to let you know that coming up at 10 o'clock will be Black and Abdallah. They will be in for Greeny, Carmen Yurko at 12, Wadlin Sylvia at 2, and Tyler Aki will be in for Black and Abdallah from 6 to 8 right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Now let's take a look at our wild card weekend picks. Here's Shay Norling. Shay? All right, we're going to start in Jacksonville. The Chargers on the road taking on the Jags. And the Chargers, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Everybody's down on this Los Angeles team because, well, Brandon Staley's a moron and kept his starters in in Week 18, and he got Mike Williams hurt. But watch out because the Chargers are the much better football team in my estimation. Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence both making their first playoff start. Wash that away. And Joey Bosa's probably going to go. And honestly, I'm a Staley guy. Chargers minus two and a half. I think they hit him with a sledgehammer. What do you think, Cap? So I am not as down on what he did keeping his players in after talking to Mike Shanahan a few years ago. Yurko was on the team that Denver... 14 and 2, fini- or I think they finished 14 and 2. They did not play their guys the last game and they lost their first playoff game. Mike said, never again. Football players play football. I don't care if the game is irrelevant in the standings. My guys lost their edge. Not going to do it. I really like this Jacksonville team. I do. I'm just not sure it's their time yet to take the next step. I think Justin Herbert is an amazing, amazing football player. I'm hoping it's tremendous theater. I got to think it's going to be really super, super competitive. God, I want Jacksonville to win desperately. So I'll go with my heart. I'll take Jacksonville. Yeah, I feel good about Jacksonville. So I like Jacksonville plus a two and a half. I think that... You know, for, it may not be all on Trevor Lawrence, but I think it could be on this defense, the opportunistic defense for the Jaguars. So Rayshon Jenkins has a knack for delivering some big plays. He had that strip sack against Joshua Dobbs. I mean, he was just a man for an island by himself. I mean, looking at Josh Dobbs out there, I'm like, oh, my God, he's got this, you know, a, a decent enough arm. But you just know he was overmatched that last game that we saw to get to Jag- the Jaguars in the playoffs cap. So I got a great feeling for the Jaguars. I think Jacksonville gets the job done. They win the game outright, and it'll be a close, but I think the defense makes a difference for the Jags in this game. Yeah, I, I'm with, with Shea that Herbert's amazing, man. He's sure. great. I love Trevor Lawrence. You know I always have. I'm just I'm going to let my heart lead me, and I'm going to root for Jacksonville. Also, I think that this is the future of the league, these two quarterbacks. Agreed. Lawrence against Herbert. We, we're going to see this more than once, I'm sure. That's the Saturday night game. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, with the Jaguars here. This comes down to this to the fact that I trust Doug Peterson more in the playoffs than Brandon Staley. Shay, Ravens on the road in Cincinnati taking on the Bengals. Bengals a nine and a half point favorite. That's up from five and a half at open because guess what? Lamar Jackson is not going to play. And if Lamar Jackson is not going to play, well, if you saw the stats, the Ravens points per game drop by about eleven when he doesn't play versus when he does play. So I'm taking the Bengals. Yeah, I like the Bengals um, and the nine and a half. Joe Burrow has been one of the best quarterbacks in the fourth quarter in games. He's ranking top three in quarterback uh, rating as well as passing touchdowns and first and down rate. The other thing is, is that we take a look at Jamar Chase. We talk about him a lot when we talk about the Bengals. Ranked second among all wide receivers in receiving yards after contact this season. He's all world. He's a big difference maker for the Jags. 
uh, for uh, the Bengals. So I like the Bengals to cover that number against the Ravens team. They'll be rudderless at the quarterback spot. Storling texted me the other day, hey, I got a good source on this one. Lamar's not going to be ready. Bet it now before it moves. I got it at a much lower number. So I will root for the Bengals to cash my ticket. But with nine and a half, give me the Ravens. I'm a John Harbaugh guy. I think his guys play super hard for him. I think they're pretty good defensively. I'm on the Raven to cover that large spread. I just don't think Baltimore has the has the horses to keep up here. I'm going to take the Bengals to cover. Seahawks and Niners. Niners, nine and a half point favorites. And honestly, I know that's a lot of points to swallow, but the Niners are just such a good roster. To me, it's the best roster in football. It's probably the best team in football. It's my pick to make the Super Bowl out of the NFC. I'm down on the Eagles from where I was preseason. 49ers minus 9.5. Seahawks are out of gas. Geno's been horrible lately. Yeah, I like the Seahawks in the 9.5. I think the 49ers outright win the game. That's a great story for Brock Purdy because Mr. Irrelevant is in the in the big-time spotlight in the playoffs, which is crazy, right? Six straight games with at least two touchdown passes, the longest streak by a 49ers quarterback since Jeff Garcia in 2001. The Seahawks have allowed 27 points a game allowed on the road this season, third most in the National Football League. But I really believe that it's a playoff scenario. Things get a little tighter. I think for sure that the 49ers win, but I think it's closer than nine and a half. Yeah, I'm going to take the nine and a half with Seattle. I think San Francisco does win the football game, but I don't think this is the cakewalk that others think it might be. We're going to find out. Brock Purdy, are you really the real deal? Or did Kyle Shanahan pull a rabbit out of his hat to go through three quarterbacks, banged up team, and be standing here with a 10-game win streak? So I want the Niners to win, but I'll take the points to cover I think nine and a half is a lot against a very good coach in the playoffs. So I'm going to take Seattle to cover here. I'm gonna, I think they can keep it close with Pete Carroll at the helm. Dolphins going up north to Buffalo to take on the Bills, and the Dolphins are doing that without a quarterback. So the Bills, 13.5-point favorites. Interesting they hang it right there inside of 14. I think I'm going to take the Dolphins, and the biggest reason why, the Bills can do the minimum and win this game. They don't want to put things on film for Cincinnati or Buffalo. Why would they? They can go through their motions, beat a Dolphins team that's rudderless, and they don't need to cover a huge number. So I'm going to take the Dolphins to cover 13.5. God, I think the Bills in a route. Quite frankly, I, I just think that Tyreek Hill and, Jay, and Jalen Waddle—they combined for th- over three thousand yards combined this season, third most by teammates in the season, and just the fourth pair of teammates to combine for three thousand yards as receiver as receivers uh, in the National Football League. They have some weapons, yes, but someone's got to get them the ball. Skylar Thompson can't do that, and I really believe that the Bills, because of Josh Allen, 8-2 and two, with a 76 quarterback rating, 27 passing touchdowns, five interceptions in his career against the Dolphins, he owns, he could say, I own you. I own you, Dolphins, I own you. They, he will own them again, and the 13 and a half. Well said. I don't think there's anything that they're going to hide to not keep on tape. They've been playing all year long. I don't think there's any magic that you're trying to keep in a trick bag. I think the Buffalo Bills blow them out. Yeah, Buffalo. I, I hope Buffalo enjoys their 25 point playoff win because I think they're <laughs> they're gonna they're a rocket right now. I think they they destroy Miami. Giants on the road in Minnesota taking on the Vikings indoors. 3:30 p.m. kickoff up in Minnesota. You know what that means. It's going to be dark out by the time this one's over. Kirk, don't shine when the moon's out, Hoodie. I'm going Giants. You can keep the points. Daniel Jones goes in there and sends these frauds home. Mm. 
Yeah, I think the Vikings are going to win this one. The one thing about the Giants that stood out to me just reading about this game, 16 turnovers in the regular season, second fewest in the NFL, which is good for the Giants. That's great. But I still believe that the Vikings at home will have the advantage. Kirk Cousins will, will show out. Probably taking the under in this game, too, by the way. But I like the Vikings and the three. They will win against the Giants. Yep, I'm going to lay the three points as well. This is a chance for Minnesota to hit the reset button and quiet all their critics. Can they do it? We're going to find out. I do think they beat a Giants team that looks to me to be a bit fraudulent that's exceptionally well coached everybody's on the Giants, and you know what? I'm right there with them. I think they can win this game outright. Give me the Giants. Cowboys laying two and a half at the Bucks. Everybody's just writing the storybook. Tom Brady at home. Dallas comes in. Tom Brady sends him home. It's classic Cowboys. Lose early in the playoffs. You know what happens when there's a really public dog, usually? Hmm. They're old yeller. Give me the Cowboys. <laughs> he likes the Cowboys to win this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady has 35 career playoff wins. The same as the Cowboys franchise. <laughs> wow. Okay. Only the Patriots and the Steelers and the Packers have more playoff wins all time. I'm going to go with the GOAT. I like the Buccaneers to win. And here's the reason, Cap, and we talked about this earlier. What's up with Dak Prescott? You know, I know they talk about this on television at nauseum, but uh, but when you take a look at it, it's like, can Dak be able to turn the corner for the Cowboys? I think the Buccaneers, in a close one, win the ball game. Yeah, I'm going to say the game is exceptionally close, but I'm going to put my chips on Tom Brady, not Dak Prescott, who is trending down as he goes into the playoffs. Pick six here, pick six there. Doesn't look great. Team doesn't look great. A lot of pressure on them. Give me the Buccaneers to win the game outright. There is something smelly in here, and it is this line. But you know what? I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. Like like Shea said, when there's a public dog like this, it's old yeller. Give me Dallas. And that is our picks as we look at Wild Card Weekend. Cannot wait for the game to start on Saturday. And we're going to be really locked in, taking a look at our picks, and hope that you have a happy gambling weekend. Coming up, Courtney Cronin, her thoughts on Kevin Warren being the new president of the Bears and her thoughts about Wildcard Weekend. All part of the mix right here on Cap and J-Hood. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Cap and J-Hood are back on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's Home for Sports. Now, Courtney Cronin. Double C. Bears insider. And Irish dancer? I was an Irish dancer, probably like 10 to like 13. Takes you into Hallis Hall on Cap'n J Hood. Kevin Warren was named the president of the Chicago Bears. Lamar Jackson is out this weekend for the Baltimore Ravens. His knee is unstable as he tweeted it out on his Twitter feed. Atlanta is going to host the Bills-Chiefs game. And all AAA parks to have robot umps. Lisa Marie Presley died. She had full cardiac arrest. Among the headlines that we're keeping our eyes on on Cap and Jay Hood here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Courtney Cronin covers the Bears in the National Football League for ESPN Chicago. She joins us here on Cap and Jay Hood. Good morning, Courtney. Good morning, guys. How are we? How are you? Good. It's been a busy couple days here as we try to get into the off season. But um, yesterday, I think was a good day for the Bears. So very good one. Yeah, when you have Kevin Warren as a president, it is a good day. So I just want to know what you've heard about Kevin Warren and why this hire 
um, is top shelf for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I was on the phone most of yesterday. I talked to everybody from Vikings owner Mark Wilf to Morty Shapiro, who was the former president of the Big Ten and also president at Northwestern. Mark Coyle, who's an AD up at Minnesota, just trying to get like the overall reaction to this and also why Kevin Warren makes sense from an executive leadership standpoint. And in talking with those people and talking with other staffers, especially those who, who work for the Vikings and were those he brought on when he was there from 05 to, to 19, the biggest thing that I got out of those conversations is the willingness to do whatever it takes, that this is somebody who has there's no idea too big for Kevin Warren to attack. No, and a lot of this is very grandiose and big, you know, big ideas that he brings to the table that he's able to execute on. And of course, the first thing that comes to mind for Bears fans, because you're asking yourself, like, remember, team presidents are not always the most visible position. Like, fans know what to do when a coach and a GM are hired. They know what questions they want asked. They want to. They know what it means for them in the on-field product. A team president. Just really most times has nothing to do with the on-field product. And how does Kevin Warren affect the average fan? Well, the stadium's the first thing that comes to mind. And in my conversation with Mark Wilf, it was you know a lot about what he did with that stadium, getting their practice facility and the entire development at Vikings Lakes in Egan, Minnesota built. And that's very similar to what they're going to try to do with this 326-acre property out in Arlington Heights. And you know I don't know if the Vikings would have gotten that done as efficiently and in the way that they did where the fan experience is top of the line inside U.S. Bank Stadium had it not been for Kevin Warren. Is there any chance that the Bears build another practice facility with all that acreage that they have in Arlington Heights or is it simply going to be like a one-off, like Soldier Field. They drive there and they play their games and everything's in Lake Forest. It's a great question, Cap, and it's one that I don't think that – I mean, it certainly was not in the renderings that we saw when we were at that initial meeting back in September, the day the season started, where they laid out, okay, this is what it's going to look like. They didn't really give us much of an indication of what the stadium itself was going to look like. We just know where it is in the – I think it was like more in like the northwest corner of that development – But it would make sense to have everything centrally located because, I mean, just in terms of the way that I drive around here, it's kind of hard to get from Lake Forest to Arlington Heights, uh, you know, without traffic. And that's, you know, I don't know if that's something that that's a good question that will come up on Tuesday. But the Vikings also have something that's kind of similar, like their facility that Kevin Warren helped get them out of, the one that's in Winter Park, was completely disjointed. There were people who worked downtown, people who worked across the street, people who worked in the main facility, and to get everybody under one roof was a priority. And he wasn't the team president, but he had a lot of those same roles as COO that I wouldn't be surprised if if that's a conversation that comes up. Now, we we know that Hallis Hall did have renovations to it not that long ago, so maybe it's something that they stay there for a while. But you got to think, if, if you want everybody under one roof and you want to expand, you want to bring people in, that facility might not be equipped to do that and to be able to have state-of-the-art. Like, that's everything that Kevin Warren does. It's top-of-the-line, A-list, think-big, state-of-the-art, that maybe that would be something they'd consider trying to put at Arlington Park. Everything that happened in the Big Ten where the you started seeing Pac-12 teams coming over to the Big Ten. The television deals are already taken care of. I'm just wondering from Kevin Warren's standpoint, did he – I wonder does he feel like there was nothing else for him to do there in the Big Ten because, you know, the, as I mentioned, everything else seems solidified there. And now I guess maybe he felt it was the right time to bolt. 
I think that that has to be brought up and, and asked to him because, remember, he still had 18 months left on that contract after getting UCLA and USC to agree to become member institutions in 24 and after he you know, structured this seven-year, $7 billion TV deal, which kind of feels like an NFL structure because you've got multiple networks competing for games. And, you know, I, I don't know what more he could have done. And honestly, this is my personal opinion, I think he got out at a really good time mm-hmm. in terms of college athletics because you're dealing with NIL, which is not a bad thing, but just like there are a lot of hoops to jump through there. There's been a ton of turnover. There's all brand-new ADs and presidents throughout the Big Ten where – you know, having those relationships, forging those relationships, that takes a lot of time. And when you have one team you focus on where his entire focus is going to be on the Chicago Bears and what he does there instead of soon-to-be 16 member institutions, that's 16 presidents, 16 ADs, and not just football. That's every sport that every school has. That's a lot. And I feel like he doesn't have any – he didn't really have much left to prove in the Big Ten space is kind of what I gathered from people I talked to in the Big Ten that – it's like, what more can you do? I mean, now now you have an opportunity here. Like, this is the first – I'm the staggering thing in that press release that they put out yesterday. Like, I had known Ted Phillips was the first non-McCaskey to, to have that role in 102 years of the Bears being in existence, president and CEO. The fact, though, that it just – you read it. He's the first president to ever be hired from outside of the organization because Ted got that job 19 years into his tenure. Like, does that not show you that they really are trying to break the mold of what they do on a daily basic and ma- basis and maybe try to shake up some of their systemic issues that they have there? Because if you have the same school of thought getting recycled from people to people, you have company men. And I think that that's something, if the Bears are really serious about this being their most pivotal offseason maybe ever, you have to have somebody who's not just a power player, but somebody who is not afraid and actually like hates the status quo from everything I've heard about yeah. Kevin Warren. He's somebody who's going to come in there and force change through and do it in a way where everybody gets on board with it. So let's talk about the team itself. As you look at where they sit today, is it likely that they're going to make one trade down, maybe go to the Colts? Maybe is there a chance, what I favor, okay, Houston, you screwed up, you won. Come on up to number one. We'll go down to two and give us whatever it is, the 12th pick that they own as well, or give us a player, and then go from there to two to something else. What do you think happens? Yeah, I mean, you pointed out the two teams that make the most sense, like because you don't want to go further. I don't think you want to go further than four because – you know, the Jalen Carters, the Will Andersons, and most mock drafts, at least the ones that we have at ESPN, the, those players are gone. So in making Houston buy their own pick back, like the school of thought there is, well, if they know like the Bears, you know, a quarterback will be available to them either way at number two. Might it be C.J. Stroud and not Bryce Young? Yes, but no matter who gets the number one spot, Houston, if they stay at two, they'll still have another pick. Uh, at the you know kind of a pick at the entire draft board before everybody else and you know not to forget you're right there he, he, they do have that pick at number 12 so I think that that's enticing for the Chicago Bears that they're trying to do business with a Houston team of like all right you buy your pick back but you give us like we've got a lot of needs now we don't future first round picks are wonderful mm-hmm. but like we might want that number 12 pick what they're eyeing in that package the Colts though on the other hand and I've seen so many dra- mock draft scenarios on Twitter so some that I actually kind of agree with, um, where you can move up from four, 
get your quarterback because we heard Chris Ballard say yes to the question of would you move heaven and earth to get a quarterback if he was the right guy at the top of the board. And then, you know, the Bears have so much more flexibility because right now they don't have that early second round pick, which is effectively a first rounder because it's at 32. They're going to want something in one of those early rounds where it's not just, okay, we're moving back to, let's say, four, and then you wait until you get that second round pick that's from Baltimore. They're going to want somebody else in that range. So I honestly think right now the Colts have the easiest path to making that happen. But if if Poles can play hardball with Nick Casario down in Houston, he might be able to get out more from that one than he would Indianapolis. Courtney, what is the one game you're looking forward to seeing for Wild Card Weekend? You know, I... I've kind of like gotten on this Giants bandwagon last couple months. I don't know what it is. I just think that Brian Dable and the, and the you know style of play, like the fact that they weren't really supposed to be here, but something's clicking with that team. So I'm excited for Vikings, Giants. I know everybody's picking the, Vi- the Vikings to lose in this game. Um, can that magic carry over? Can we actually, because this is a chance that we get to really judge the Minnesota Vikings and all of their one-score games and whether it was just a fluke. Like We'll get a chance to do that in the postseason. But I don't know. I'm really feeling confident in the Giants right now and I know it's not like the sexy game of wild card weekend but that's the one that I'm looking forward to Courtney have a wonderful weekend and it should be a fun football weekend and then we've got what three and a half months three months to just watch all the scenarios unfold Mm -hmm. it's going to be a wild off season so I'm hoping that maybe things will quiet down after the press conference with Kevin Warren on Tuesday maybe we get like two weeks of quiet before crazy crazy town starts up but uh I'll be here for it either way so just uh you know we'll we'll all be tuned in I can't wait for crazy town Courtney, <laughs> thanks for jo- joining us here this morning. Thanks, guys. It is Courtney Cronin with us here on Cap and J Hood. Coming up next, uh, Shay the Scam Artist. And don't forget Tom Ricketts at 9 on Chicago's Home for Sports. Tom Ricketts, chairman of your Chicago Cubs. Obviously, there were so many ups and downs, uh, so much drama. Our fans, they could have walked away, and no one did. Everyone kind of stuck with us. 2016 World Series champion. This is going to be a tough play. Ricketts with Kevin J. Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Good morning and welcome into the Captain J. Hood Morning Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan, John the Hood with you. So glad you're with us on this Friday. And Cap, we got a special guest on the line. Yes, we do. We have the chairman of the Chicago Cubs, Tom Ricketts, kind enough to join us here on Captain J. Hood. Tom, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, uh, and thanks for that very dramatic intro. I really appreciated it. How about that? See? A man of your stature deserves a nice uh, production piece, so you're welcome. <laughs> so, Excellent. Tom, let's talk about where you guys are as a franchise now. There's been the COVID thing, and you had a World Series in 16, and we had iconic players traded away. How do you feel about where you are as a franchise today moving forward? Uh, Well, obviously, it's been a bit of a transition, and the last few years have been pretty rough. Uh, It's been tough to see the guys that uh, were on that championship team leave over over time, and um, and it's you know just like any fan, it's been hard on me to watch the guys go. But but it was it was really time to uh, take a look at what we had and start building the next great team. And um, you know, I think the last couple years we've been very very successful. At, uh, at at moving that ball forward, 
Um, you know, one of the things that um, that we know is to build a sustainable winter, we've got to build from the bottom up. We've got to build a great farm system. We have to have a lot of depth coming from young players. Uh, we know that the last 15 World Series winners have all had top 10 farm systems in the years right up to when they when they won their titles. So we know that's really the key. So we did have to spend some time the last couple of years focusing on that, and and we've been successful at at um, building back to a. You know, a top ten, if not top five, farm system. But uh, the good news about going into this year is, I think that a lot of that, a lot of that work's been done, and we can start looking at winning on the field here in Chicago. Um, and if you see what we have going into the season, you you see a team that has really an improved offense, uh, really incredible defense, and uh, a lot of pitching depth. So we're just excited to get the games going, and um, happy with everything that uh, that's happened to us this off season, and like where we sit going into twenty three. Tom, from a cash flow standpoint, from the pandemic to where we are now in 2023 season coming up, how difficult was it for the organization to acquire key players in order to contend? Well, I mean, there's uh, obviously the, the the COVID situation was was uh, difficult for every team financially, the larger teams uh, more so. But that's that's largely behind us. Right now, it, it just comes down to... Um, you know, we have the resources to put a great team on the field. It's really up to Jed to allocate those resources the way he sees he sees fit. Um, you know, we want to add we want to add wins to this season without sacrificing wins in future seasons. So we have to be thoughtful about how we put those dollars to work. I think uh, Jed and his team have done a great job of of um, of finding that balance going into twenty three and. Um, I think financially we're in pretty good shape, and we're looking forward to competing this year. Tom, there was a narrative out there, whether it was right, whether it was wrong, and I would love your perspective on that there was money left over last year that didn't get spent. There was money at some point, eventually it did get spent on Dansby Swanson and Jamison Tyone and all these different guys. Was there ever a moment where you were frustrated from your 50,000-foot view looking down going, Okay, I'm tired of hearing I'm cheap. My family won't spend money. The Cubs are cheap, and there's actually plenty of money there to spend. It just hadn't been spent yet. Was it ever frustrating, or that's just part of the deal? Well, I mean, in some respects, it's part of the deal. You know, when uh, we give the resources to to Jed and his guys, like you know, we want them to put them to work when they see they think they think it's best. Um, you know, you don't want to spend money just to spend money. Um, you know, you'll never win. I don't think I'll ever win the argument. Like if someone calls me cheap, I mean, I, I mean, look, we I don't know if we're cheap. We put a billion dollars into the stadium. Like, I mean, I don't know how cheap that is. But like, um, ultimately, it comes down to you got to let the people who are going to be responsible for the wins and losses on the field allocate the dollars as they see fit. And if there's a short-term narrative. That um, that we're somehow holding back money or or keeping money out of the system or something like that. I'm not sure what you can really do except um, say it's not true and and just try to win on the field. Chicago Cubs chairman Tom Ricketts with Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Based on the organization's moves, Tom, in the offseason, how soon will the Cubs contend for a championship? Well, I think we're going into this season thinking that we have a, a good shot at our division. Um, you know, we, we, like I said, we have, um, you know, yeah, we've, we've really improved our offense. We've, we're going to have one of the best defensive teams ever. And uh, just a lot of pitching depth. 
every day, uh, Rossi and Andy Green and our analytics team will sit down and and think about how to put the best lineup on the field. And and um, I think uh, I think people are pretty excited to see how it plays out because I think we'll be really competitive. Tom, in terms of marquee, we've got a number of listeners that are asking. Is it going to get onto YouTube TV? Is there going to be a stream situation where people can say, hey, man, I missed a whole... We have one guy who said, I I missed a whole season of the Cubs because he switched to YouTube TV and they're not on YouTube TV. What can you enlighten us on where Marquee is headed, where the broadcasts are headed? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Like, we are always looking for, um, like, the optimal streaming partners on, on Marquee. Um, I don't have an announcement to make for this year, but we're looking at some different uh, different streaming options. Uh, we know a lot of fans are um, basically that's the way they consume their media now, so we have to uh, take a look at everything we can do to get get those fans in the loop and or have access, get access to Marquee. Um, so we're doing what we can. It's not as simple as it looks, but um, you know we're always trying to make sure that we have as many outlets as possible for the channel. I mean, it's been a huge success in so many different ways. Um, we want to make sure everyone can have it. <laughs> Tom, I know that it wasn't funny at the time, but that Cubs convention, when you uh, asked the fans, you know, what, what's your problem with the marquee network? When you were trying to explain, hey, you just don't get your Brickhouse Harry Carey Channel 9 baseball anymore, that it's going to be yeah. the marquee network. And it's, kind of, it, it's funny in hindsight because you, as you stood there incredulously said, hey, what, what do you guys have against the marquee network? We're trying to give you something fresh. Yeah, are you happy about what's been going on with Marquee? And as Cap was talking about, you know, we do have fans in Iowa and all throughout the Midwest that want to see more Cubs baseball. So, so what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, Marquee's been been an incredible success for us. Um, you know, in a time where regional sports networks are really under a lot of pressure and are being challenged by by the by the way people are consuming media, it's been a, you know, it's been tough for a lot of networks. Our network's done really well. Um, so, you know, so it's, it's been a, a good, like a, a good financial stabilizer for the team when other teams are actually starting to see their, their TV dollars go away. But more importantly, like just to be able to have the flexibility to do all of our own programming, um, you know, to be able to put together, you know, specials on Kerry Wood 20 strikeout game or, or the life of Ernie Banks or, or, or these kind of things. And then to be able to control all of our game day production and to be able to spend a little extra to do, um, you know, what is a, uh, a, a, just an incredible, uh, game day, you know, game day production for, you know, for, for a regional sports network to do what we do. We're much more like a national broadcast. And so that's been great. And I think, um, everyone that's had access to it has, uh, really enjoyed it. You know, from that day at convention, the only complaint I've ever gotten since about Marquee is I can't get it. And I get people from emailing me from California, how come I can't get Marquee? And I'm like, I know what I can do about that. You know, the, um, uh, the, uh, you know, a lot of the people that are angry with us at times, they don't really realize that a lot of what we're up against are MLB blackout rules that we can't control, that a lot of times were written along, you know, written decades ago. So, um, Anyway, it's been a big success. We're very happy with it. We've won a lot of Emmys. I think Mike McCarthy and team have done a terrific job, and uh, we're very, very happy we did it. I just, I, I know that we can get more distribution if, um, if we can find some some better streaming partners and, or some different streaming partners, and 
and maybe the league can loosen up some of their regulations. So we have a number of listeners that have sent in questions. So our friend Nick, who actually is an NBA writer and is a diehard Cubs fan, has been a season ticket holder, was there at Game 7 in Cleveland, out of his mind when the home run was hit. Like, he's all in on the Cubs. Nick said, okay, I see the renovated stadium. Marquee's up and running. Will you spend money at the level of the other major market teams over that, that we're seeing now? That's one part of it. And the other part of the question is, when you see Steve Cohen go, I don't care if the luxury tax is $300 million. I don't care. I'm just going to keep spending. What is your feeling as a fellow owner as to compete with that? Well, on, on the first question, first part of Nick's question there, um, you know, we'll be right back at CBT levels this year. Um, and I think anyone, I think people that follow the game closely know that there's, there's, uh, you know, there's kind of an art to managing that. You want to make sure that you get close to the CBT levels without triggering it if you can, unless you feel like this is a team that really needs that, um, you know, that uh, if you feel like you're right in the, in the absolute sweet spot where you want to go over, because it does cost you financial resources and it, 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 um, and it can cost you draft picks and draft position. So you have to be thoughtful about how you manage that. So we'll be right up to CBT as I think we should be uh, this year. And, and we've obviously spent a little bit of money this off season and Jed still has more dry powder. With respect to what's happening at some of the other clubs, and I, I probably, I really don't, um, you know, I really can't do much about it. We really can't, um, really can't control any of that. Uh, all I know is that you can only spend every dollar once. And um, we are, you know, managing our team to uh, be competitive over over a longer term, and and um, and so you know some of the some of the contracts other teams are giving away don't make for don't make sense for us, and um, and I you know and I really can't comment on how some of these other teams are financing their uh, you know their, their their player acquisitions, but net net. Um, it all comes down to what happens on the field, and we're pretty confident we have a team that's going to compete on the field this year. The, the fan in you, though, the, away from the ownership, the fan in you has to look at those eye-popping numbers and say, wow, that's, that's a lot of money to, be, to spend. I mean, what, what's your reaction that the fan, Tom Ricketts, when he sees you know, the other teams like the Rangers and the Padres and others spending the money that they are? Well, I mean, the, um, obviously as a fan, you always want to sign everybody. You just have to be thought – I mean, it – you know, it's uh, it's always great to add players, but I mean, you know, if if you take a step back from some some of these contracts, some of these long term contracts, you know, you once you sign that deal, you have to pay that money, and um, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen with a 29 year old guy in 10 years, you know, or whatever. So, um, so obviously, everybody wants to bring in as much talent as they can. It's very exciting to sign free agents, but you always have to keep in keep it in balance and you have to be able to you know balance out the wins you're going to get in the short term against the wins you're going to give away in the long term and and so um so like look as a fan everybody it's great to sign exciting players um but you know as as someone um who's responsible for the longer term and the more consistent performance of the team you just always have to be careful not to give up too much for too long and and so um so we'll see where it shakes out. I think we've 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 got a good strategy. We've got good people, and um, 
And I think we're building toward a very sustainable model of being back on top of our division. So we played a quote from Joe Lacob. He owns the Golden State Warriors. He was on Draymond Green's podcast. It was a great interview. And he said, I'm maniacal at this point in my life. All I care about is championships. Whatever. Whatever it costs. I want to win titles. He said, we've won four in eight years. It's amazing. I want more. We've had fans say, I want an owner in Chicago to say the same thing. I'm maniacal about one thing. Did we win the ring or not? When you hear a comment like that, you're a competitor. What do you say? Well, I, I think everybody feels the same way. You can, you can, like, absolutely we're in it to win. But, like, the question isn't, do you want to win or do you want to lose? Obviously you want to win. The question is, how do you get there? And... What we have to do, what we have to do, or we believe is the right answer, is to, you know, build up farm system, add high quality, you know, high character guys when it's required, like this year, to kind of kind of fill it out and be consistent. Like one thing about baseball that's different than NFL or NBA is once you get to the playoffs, everyone has about the same chance of winning the World Series. Like, there's not much predictive value in how many wins you had during the season come to the playoffs. It's kind of who's hot, who's healthy, and, and who gets the breaks. So the key is to be in the playoffs as often as possible. And to do that, you have to build a good core of young players who can stay together for several years and then supplement them with the types of characters, uh, type of players, high-character players that we brought in this year. So um, the answer is we always want to win. And we're, we're building toward winners. The way you do it in baseball is the way we're doing it. And, um, and we just have to stay with that. The Tom Ricketts that sat in the bleachers, that was going to school here, have a couple beers on a beautiful day. Do you, that guy wanted to see a team that won. Do you feel, as an owner of a sports team, a civic responsibility to like I, I've just watched the Cubs video from the World Series the other day, where you said you were blown away at the parade by the depth of the fandom that's intergenerational. Do you feel a civic responsibility to the 22-year-old Tom Ricketts that I owe it to those people to try to win? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, and not just to the 22-year-old Tom Ricketts, but to everyone I talk to every game at Wrigley Field. Like the, um, you, you know, it's, uh, you, you don't stop being a fan when you step into the chairman role. You just become a fan who feels responsible. Like we have to, um, we have to uh, do everything we can to get back on top. We have to do everything we can to, uh, you know, recreate the, uh, you know, the glory of, you know, the, you know the, the World Series teams. And if you look back, like we um, we went all in for those years, and and part of the reason that we had to take a little bit of a breather on the free agent market the last couple of years was we drained our farm system and we put all the money out there and we were among the top spenders and and we just couldn't get another championship out of out of that group of guys and as much as we tried and uh, so we knew we had to rebuild and we we had to um, we had to you know start building the next great Cub team and so as we hit here today. I think we, we're kind of past that inflection point where, you know, we, we're uh, we've got a good minor league system, we've got a good team on the field this year, and we're just going to get better over the next few years and try to get back on top. 
Tom, as the Chicago Bears go through their changes with a new president and a new general manager, what advice would you give to the new look Bears? You've been through this yourself with the Cubs, you know, having a new GM and trying to change the infrastructure and the culture. The Bears are trying to do the same thing. What's your advice to the Bears? No, I don't really have any advice for the Bears. Uh, they know what they're doing. Like uh, I think Kevin's a, a, uh, Kevin Warren is a great um, is a great pickup for uh, for the team. Obviously, he's got a lot of experience in, in stadium background, and, and he's been around football for a long time and did a terrific job with the Big Ten. So I, I think it's a big win for that organization. Um, and, and those guys know what they're doing. They'll be fine. And, um, and obviously anyone, and I'm a Bears fan as well, um, everyone sees kind of uh, an exciting future for that team, and, and hopefully they can execute against it. We've got a bunch of questions. It's all the same one. What does Sammy have to do, Sosa, to come back, at least just to be the convention, throw out a first pitch, sing the seventh inning strike? Not to work for the team, just to feel like he's welcome back. Any update there? Yeah, no real update. Um, Nothing's really changed on that front. Uh, I I don't really have a lot to add about Sammy at the moment. Tom, you got to let that go, man. I mean, he's got to – you got to bring him back. Bring bring him back. and, And here's why, I mean – at some point, we got to look at Sammy Sosa. You're in the bleachers like all the fans were watching all those home runs and watching the great moments he brought to the Cubs. Some, at some point, that'll turn, right? Sometimes. At some point, you guys will be in the middle, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep noodling on it, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I haven't really thought about it much lately, to be honest. Well, enjoy the convention. It's cool that the whole family is going to be back together yeah. for the first time in a while, taking questions. Uh <laughs> I think people are excited, Tom. I do. I really think people are looking forward to seeing what this season will be like with Dansby Swanson. I know you just finalized Eric Cosmer this morning. I actually think people are fired up. Well, they sh- I think they should be. Yeah. Like, um, I-, I think Jed had a really, really good offseason. And, um, and we're going to put a very competitive team on the field. We should compete for our division. And, um, you know, and... It'll be fun, and, and the kind of guys, the, the kind of players that you want to cheer for, too. Um, I know that Rossi is very excited about the character of the guys that we've, we've brought in. Um, we think we're going to have a great clubhouse. I think it's going to be a, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting summer, and, and frankly, Jed's not done yet. We've got a few more pieces and parts we can add to supplement what we have. And, and then as these guys continue to play well this year, um, people can be confident as well that we have a lot of younger guys that'll be knocking on the door over the next few years that that should should um, continue to uh, you know keep getting us younger and better. Whoever that player is, if there is somebody out there next year that hits free agency, and there's a few humongous names, he will have the powder to be able to make that run. If he says to you, "Hey, we can go get whoever that guy is," he will have enough in the Till to go make that happen, right? Yeah, we always have uh, the. I mean, Jed always has the ability to you know to flex up in resources from time. You know, we once again like it's it's not always about how much you spend this year. It's about what kind of contract are we looking at? How long is it? How many wins will it cost us in the future? And trying to be sustainable and trying to you know keep uh, keep on top, right? So, um, yeah, there's there's resources for Jed, and when it's time to. Um, you know, and frankly, we're already at CBT this year. We're going to be CBT this year. So, like, it's not like we're holding back anything at the moment. But, um, 
But if we have to flex up a little bit to get the right guy, we can always do that. Tom, it's cool that you spent some time with us here on Cap and J Hood. Thanks so much, and have a great season. Appreciate it, Tom. All right, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon.